This is Frank Campanella, and you're listening to the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast. Philosophy Podcast, Sony makes an air-conditioned shirt. We give you our thoughts on the shootings in America, and our special guest, upcoming chef, Frank Campanello, listen to his story on how he lost 245 pounds. All that and more on this episode of the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast, where it's two guys take on life, liberty, and the pursuit of gravy, and you, the listener, are getting a degree in common sense. We are broadcasting from the Busted Knuckle Studio right here in beautiful downtown historic Concord, North Carolina. I'll be your host, Biggin, and how about you? We've got a great show lined up for you, as always, but before we begin, let me introduce you to the second half of this flaky biscuit. That's right, I'm talking about the pride of Anderson, South Carolina, but most of you probably know him best as the Silver Tongue one, 2016's honorable mention keto salesman of the year, the inventor of the redneck egg roll. Give it up on old mic number one, it's Mojo! As we uh, say in the South, raise hell, praise Dale. Oh, there it is. Come on. Yeah, thanks for tuning in once again to the uh, Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast, man, we're just want to say thanks to all the new listeners and we'll go over some of the random cities that you guys are tuning in from, but we've seen quite a bit of uptick and we appreciate that guys go to our, our uh, Southern Fry uh, philosophy website at southernfryphilosophy.com. Our Facebook page is Southern Fry philosophy. You can also check us out on the Twitters and Instagram at SFP radio. Uh, if you want to become a subscriber, uh, Go to patreon.com forward slash SFP radio. Also our YouTube, youtube.com forward slash SFP. Uh, as we said before, it is free to you, but it is not free to us. So we would really appreciate it if you could be part of the SFP family. That'll allow us to do more events, be able to do this full time, hopefully, and uh, and just be- bring you better content, better guests, and a more frequent, um, more frequent timeline. So we would appreciate it. Check us out at our website, southernfriedphilosophy.com, and you could check the Patreon link, and you could be part of the SFP family, so we would appreciate that. Also, uh, if you would like to hang out with us, as we have our, our guests tonight, Marty and Leanne, they're hanging out with us. They send us an email at sfpradio at gmail.com, and they themselves are sitting in the Bad Mother Smokers smoking hot seats. Appreciate you guys coming in and hanging out with us today. Glad to be here. Hello, how are you? <laughs> by the way, what's uh, any new beers upcoming or on tap right now? Oh, uh, by the way, Marty's from Commenters for our new Cha-ching. listeners. Yep. Uh, we've got, uh, well, well, we just introduced our Revolver Tap uh, okay. about a week ago. Uh, Revolver tell. Tap is basically we're making uh, small batches of just different things that whatever comes up in the mind of our brewers there. Doing about a 10 to 12-gallon batch of it, so there's going to be two Lim- kegs. Limited quantity. Very limited quantity. And as soon as one drops off, we just, you know, tap another one. Mm. Uh, right now, we've got a Belgian double on. Quite good. Very malty. Very sweet. Very nice beer. Uh, right not behind keto. That, not keto. <laughs> without, yeah. And even worse, not keto. The next one is a honey porter. Ooh. So that's going to come up next. And uh, then there's a white IPA coming behind that, I believe. And nice. then they made a Finnish beer. Cannot remember what style it's called because I'd never heard of it before. But Bankrupt, it was, possibly. Okay. <laughs> uh, but it was uh, it's brewed uh, using uh, fur 
leaves and berries or fir twigs and berries. Man, I'm glad you I'm F- glad you finished that. I R F I R, yeah. Not F U R just to be <laughs> the twig furry furry, the furry twi- twigs and furry berries. Furry twigs and berries, yes. I think I'm gonna pass, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> but uh they're they're pretty excited about that one. Uh and then the uh for those who like the black IPA, which I know Leanne is definitely one of those big fan. Uh that's coming back uh within the next couple of days it should be back on All right, so uh it's early August here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you haven't released a pumpkin beer for the white girls yet. <laughs> no, we we typically don't do a pumpkin beer. Right. We do have a spiced ale that we do every fall. It's quite good. It's called Beer Masala. Mm-hmm. That's um, very that's very good. And uh, that should be back on tap right about the time that the girls start wearing their boots and vest again. Yeah, the Han Solo Dugs and the vest. Dugs and the and the workout yoga pants. Uh, As they like, say, look. the boots with the fur. <laughs> I, Apple I, bottom jeans. Yeah, and I can't. Yeah, I just had a thought that I can't share. I understand. I understand. It is a family show, and we appreciate you doing that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you guys for coming in and we're hanging out here, and I'm sure we'll get into some hot and juicy topics. Oh, come on with it. Looking forward to it. Um, and speaking of, we were talking about the, the SFP insiders being part of the SFP family. We're actually, this Monday, we're going to be coming to commoners mm-hmm. and doing our first SFP after dark. Yep. So, uh, explain after dark. It, it's basically, cause you say, I hold you back. Uh, this is the adult version of the show. It's basically us setting up the equipment at commoners and I'm going to hit record and then you guys just do whatever you want to do. That's that's the extent of that. So you're not you're we not going to add in. Oh, I'll add right. in, but so, I'll probably be in the you know underneath the table crying. So do, do you hear yourself? That's extremely dangerous. Oh, it's good. that's why it's after dark. You baby. Do real, you do realize that we're closed to the public that day. Yeah, no, I understand. So it's like open bar. Well, I'm, I'm, I've already got an Uber <laughs> planned in my future. So it's, it's, so it's open bar and a you know an and a open mic. Oof. Yeah, <laughs> yeah buddy. buddy. Open bar, open mic. Dangerous. That's a dangerous oh, problem. And Leanne's going to be at her parents, so I might have to. I might have to find myself a way home. <laughs> <laughs> Need to Uber home. Babe. Um, so yeah, we're we're excited about that. So the SFP insiders are the only ones that will be able to get the SFP after dark. So you have to be a Patreon subscriber there to be go. able to do that. So you want to hear all the shenanigans do that also if you want to hear us you can check us out at states vegas radio uh, monday at 6 p.m and friday at 4 so you can download the app this week only you can download states vegas radio use the promo code mojo and you can get it for free we're not going to charge you a dime for it so uh, check out that app as well we have next week we have cities for life uh, so we talked about them before mojo do you want to kind of prep them yeah we'll we'll have uh, the executive director uh Daniel Parks on from uh, Cities for Life, and basically they're just a nonprofit that goes around and they they use they use a unique tactic in front of uh, abortion clinics. They park out a free ultrasound, and uh, any prospective mothers out there, they can more than welcome and actually come in and take an ultrasound, and um, you know that way they can kind of get a little extra outside opinion on, on what to do. And uh, I think they have uh, actually 500 mothers have actually chose life in front of that abortion clinic. And the cool thing about Cities for Life is they actually don't just drop the ball there. Uh, they actually are there for the mother's needs. They throw them baby showers and things like that because a lot of these young ladies and women don't have support systems. So, I, man, after seeing that story a couple of times, just, I had to reach out to them and had to have them on. That's awesome, man. I'm really excited to have them and hear their stories. Uh, we all want to say shout out and um, thank you to our new listeners from Orlando, Florida. 
Salt Lake City, Utah, and Barcelona, Spain. Or is that Barcelona? Because they they, oh. they said the... I remember Bar- reading Barcelona? some... Yeah, Barcelona. Mm. But now, my understanding of that region, I, this could be urban legend. I don't know. Okay. But I had someone that was from Spain who used to work for me, and they said they pronounced it Barcelona because... I guess one of the rule, young rulers there had a speech impediment, and he, that's how he pronounced uh, it. So how about you? he made a, a, a royal edict, and supposedly they had to all say that. Very cool. I don't know if that's true. That could be urban <laughs> legend. But uh, also, want to point out another event. Uh, if you're driving, I'll excuse you this one time. But if you're not, put it down on your calendar. Uh, November, nope, September fourth. See, I did it again. Mm. September fourth, we're going to do a mobile event at Hunter House and Garden. Our special guest will be Matthew Doherty, the former Atlantic Ten Conference Commish, also was the UNC head basketball coach. Yeah, I think he played a little ball for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, so he will be on our show. We'll be hanging out with Watchman Cigars and uh, having a good time and, and enjoying that. I'd, I'd, I'd like to see that one, to be honest with you. He was actually a Tar Heel when I was, like, little. Mm. He was the first, the second Tar Heel team I remember watching oh, as wow. a kid. He was on that team. Oh, wow. So that that would be kind of cool. He was, uh, they uh, the teams he was on went to back-to-back national championship games. They lost oh, wow. to Indiana. Hmm. One year, and then they beat uh, Georgetown the next. Interesting. So he was a very you know, four year four year player for yeah. him. He's a cool dude. Very so. cool. Well, uh, if you are an SFP insider, you will get uh, you can reserve your seats, so you'll be at the front. So Marty, you can you can do that. That'd be fun. Sweet, I'd love to do it. Uh, so anyway, uh, reserve uh, that, or just know that it's going to be available there. Mojo, I'm going to ask you like I ask you every week. I be darned. Uh, I think we told talked about this last week, maybe, but Satan has arrived in Concord. Oh boy! You, they, they, don't they, talk about your mother again like that. Your mother-in-law, <laughs> she doesn't like um, that. Yeah, they uh, opened up a Krispy Kreme right beside the Chick Fil A, <laughs> and that is just. I, I try not to even go by that area anymore. Well, I posted the picture where it's I like know. Jesus went to go prepare a place oh, for us. Man. This is what he meant: the Krispy Kreme next to the Chick Fil A. Ain't nothing Jesus about that because I'm telling you, that's that is two of my vices in life: mm-hmm. is Chick Fil A and Krispy Kreme. Mm-hmm. If yeah. you if you would have had a Bojangles right beside that. I mean, that'd be one-stop shop. That's the Holy Trinity right there, my friend. I mean, right there. You can gain weight just driving by and smelling that. It's like like five pounds of, like, aroma. Son, it's it's brutal. And they they have, I think, this is a new flagship store for Krispy Kreme, too. So they have this, like, design-your-own-donut crap. I'm still a purist. I'm, you know, if if it's not glazed with, do the, like, a little dip, I don't really want it. I don't have to have, you know... Bo- crushed box cereal on top of my donut. Right. So I'm a purist, but they do have this kick-ass hot sign. I mean, it is mm. enormous. It's you know. like the bat signal, if you oh, kind of picture it like that. It is. It's pretty awesome. It, it speaks to you. It's like calls. <laughs> I mean, you can, you can feel yourself driving down 85 in your car, truck, whatever, just wanting to take the off-ramp yeah. to get there. I mean... Well, you've been there. You guys have, have driven by. I, yeah, we actually tried to go, um, I guess, two weekends ago, and it was like an hour and 20-minute wait to get no. a donut. And I'm like, you know no. what? And my son's in the backseat complaining that he wants a donut. And mm-hmm. I'm like. It looked like there were police officers directing, directing yeah. traffic. They still, they still are. As of today, they still are. Well, let me. So I had to go do this Walmart pickup, which I'll talk about here in a little bit. But then I was driving down. And I was down the road. And I was like, there's no police cars and it was about eight o'clock in the morning. There's no, and there's no police cars. So I kind of nudge up to the, I get to the light and I still don't see any, any police cars. And I'm 
and say, well, I'm going to try this thing. Uh, but went around the corner, no line, just went right in. They were closed. No, no, oh. no. When, uh, <laughs> took my order. It did take a little bit of time to get around the mm-hmm. corner and get my stuff. By that time, they were already starting to get a little cold, which made me frustrated. Mm. So I ate one. I took the rest of them back to the to the wife and kid. So Whew. yeah, I'll never forget. That's I ate most of the box when I got them, but they were hot then, right? Yeah. These were starting to cool off. They were pretty cold. At that See, I got. I'm a little lucky. There's one on Independence Boulevard, and I drive mm. by it every morning on my way to work. So I've kind of gotten numb to it, the yeah. fact that I pass it every yeah. single morning. I don't except, ever want to know that feeling. Except for, when Connor, <laughs> except for when Connor goes to work with me for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Like, he sees it from a mile and a half away, and it's like mm-hmm. all I hear is, can we stop and get donuts? Can we stop and get donuts? Yeah. I never want to be numb to a Krispy Kreme or a Chick-fil-A. Sure. I do not want that. You know that. you've lost your soul at that point. I absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so at some point, uh, a cat jumped on your chest, stole your soul, and you no longer like yeah. Chick-fil-A no or possession Krispy of Kreme. It. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, so here's the, here's the life changer for me this week. The wife said, go, I need you to go pick up groceries. Oh God, that's the thing I hate the most. Like it is the worst because she'll give me a list and no doubt I'll pick up the completely wrong thing. Of course. A thousand times. I will say one time she told me to get, uh, a sour cream and I got whipped cream. That was on me. I'll <laughs> own that one. That was complete bum fuzzle. I, I, I own it. Uh, but most of the time, it's like, well, I wouldn't have gotten this brand. I would have gotten this brand. Well, why didn't you tell me to get that brand? Because yeah. I would have gotten yeah. that brand if you told me. She has a, a very good way of leaving things out that are evidently crucial and critical for me to go shopping. Um, so <laughs> so she said, I need you to go pick up groceries. I'm like, this is going to end up horrible. I'm not looking forward to this. And then she said, but all you have to do is just park the car. I've got it all taken care of. It's Walmart pickup. You just you just sit there, and I'm like, oh, well, how about you? I'm I'm all about this right now. Hey, I can do this. Let me do list taken care of. Done. So I roll up, and it gave me a. I, she told me to download the app. I got the app. It gave me a little notification. Hey, your order's ready. I pull up. It says, "What spot are you in?" I said, "Numero uno." Five minutes later, the guy comes out, puts the stuff in the car, shuts it, and we're gone. This is genius. This is the most beautiful thing that I've ever seen in my entire life. Have you experienced the Walmart no, pickup? No, I'm a hand, I'm a hands-on shopper. Oh, because because I see. Here's the thing about us is that we can't buy for like five days worth of crap because mm-hmm. something will interrupt us, and all of a sudden you got forty dollars worth of fish that's gone bad in the fridge. I mean, mm-hmm. it's happened that too many times. I I'll be honest with you. If we buy two days worth of food, we're doing good. the The minimum you got to spend is thirty five dollars, but it's free. Mm-hmm. Doesn't cost you anything, and you can pick it up and go. Um, as a snob, I don't like Walmart. Listen, <laughs> I, I just well, I understand. Other, other places are doing this as well. I know that, so. but I'm saying Walmart in particularly, mm-hmm. particular. Walmart is um, they they somehow find the cream of the crap as far as type of employees. Not saying all Walmart employees sure. are, because I have family that works at Walmart, mm-hmm. but. You know, you know the type. The one you go in the store, they hate life. Yeah. You ask them where something's at, they say, oh, 73. On the other side of the store, you get there, well, no, conveniently, it's not. It's back where you originally right. started. You it's, know, the, yeah. the, those type of employees. Totally get it. Um, I also question, um, are they, hopefully they're hiring a better tier employee than they would, let's say, at McDonald's, mm. who cannot ever get your order right, and you always leave McDonald's yep. with something missing in your bag. 
Yep. Hopefully Walmart gets all that stuff in the bag. They have. And they'll come and sell, they'll say, hey, we didn't have this item, so we substituted for this. Is that okay? Yes or no? No. They take it out. Yes, mm. they keep it. Uh, and here's the great thing. I don't get blamed for screwing anything up. That's in itself perfect. But they've done a really good job. The other place you mentioned, like, I think uh, Harris Teeter. Harris Teeter does it. I think Food Line is starting one as well. But here's the deal. you got to pay for that one. That one is like $100 a year. Okay. But there's no minimum order to get. So you can be like, I want a stick of gum. gum, Yeah. Yeah, See, I think one thing, I'm kind of keeping up with this because I'm the grocery shopper in our house. I do Mm. all the grocery shopping. Do you blame Leanne for for missing it up? No, no. She does a pretty good. We use Alexa, the list function on Alexa. Okay. So So. I ended up with two bottles of Biotene Mm. oral Mouth dry rinse mouth. for dry mouth. Is, is this when I wanted Bio Ten, which is a vitamin <laughs> for oh, hair. So he does do that. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, Alexa can't spell. Oh, sure. Alexa so now we're blaming it on. Okay, I got you. Know, you. And she does have a little bit of an accent, so Alexa doesn't understand. <laughs> true. 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 But um, I, That's too, I, Alexa's too busy uh, uploading all yeah, your stuff to exactly. FBI. She's, CIA, she's so. listening to all the stuff I say that the government wants to hear. <laughs> but <laughs> what is it? As you tell Leanne a joke and uh, you laugh, Leanne laughs and, and Alexa, Alexa laughs. laughs right behind <laughs> <her>. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, and I, I think one thing that might be good about that is spending money. Like if you have a list and you buy it online, mm-hmm. that's going to really cut down on the impulse buys of you walking mm-hmm. by the little that Debbie's on sale because yep. you didn't see the little Debbie's on sale. So you didn't get four boxes. Right. They just released Cow Chocula. Or, yeah, yeah, exactly. The Cow Chocula with marshmallows or whatever right. it is. Yep. And so I, I could see where that would be good. And mm-hmm. that's a time saver as well. Just pull yeah. up, they load it, you're ready to roll. I don't have to um, worry about going from aisle one to 73. The other thing, too, is it's not just groceries. She got me deodorant mm-hmm. and the deodorant that I liked. Yep. She got um, some some uh, file folders. It's it's all over the map. So you can get what you But are you, you still want. the hero for doing the shopping, or does it or does that drop down the honeydew points list? Now that it's all easy online, all you have to do is pull up and they load your car. Do you not get as much credit for that? I don't care. Okay. So I got be my the luck. job done. I don't care. It'll be my luck. The young kid comes out and, you know, uh, hey, uh, uh, Brandon, we see that uh, you ordered uh, – Arm and Hammer hemorrhoid remover. Mm-hmm. So we substituted it with Brand X hemorrhoid remover. <laughs> oh, by the way, we're out of the jock itch cream too. That'd be my 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 level of embarrassment. Well, if you're that embarrassed, you don't order those items. Order you order those from online. Amazon. Amazon yeah, I got gotcha. delivered. You're yeah. right about that. So never mind. I'll, <laughs> I'll save that one for after dark. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good call. <laughs> All right, so let's go to some wacky news brought to you by our new sponsor, eighteen twelve barbecue. What a fantastic uh, catering job this guy does. Yeah. Fantastic food. Yeah, so, well, uh, you'll be hearing an Too ad bad we didn't invite him on the show today. God bless awesome the bear. Yeah. Good stuff. Fantastic. Yeah, oh, yeah. Give me, his, give me his contact. I mean, we cater stuff at the brewery sometimes. I mean, we have our pizza yeah. kitchen now, but mm-hmm. sometimes we have to do events that the pizza kitchen is just not really set up for. Okay. We'll so, if he, if he does catering, Give me the info. We'll, you got it. You know, yeah. Talk to him. Perfect. All right, so let's go to some wacky news. Here is a story out of your hometown, uh, home state, South Carolina. Mm. A masked man with balloons in one hand and a gun in the other robs a Dollar General store, the police say. A man wearing a Halloween mask and balloons in the other hand and a gun in the other robbed the North Carolina Dollar General on Sunday in Henderson County Sheriff's Office. Said. Is that close to South Carolina? Um, It's probably about Thirty minutes from oh, the not border. even close. Yeah. Then Henderson oh, County is Hendersonville. South, yeah, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, 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 not far it's, it's that's considered Western North Carolina, like yeah. towards Asheville area. Okay, but there's you know twenty five takes you towards Greenville, Travers Rest area. So it's about 
probably 30 minutes. Is, okay. is there a description of the mask? Oh, yeah. Hey, buddy. The robbery took place at 9 a.m. at the Dollar General, which that's when the good robberies take place. You know. Well, also, the good robberies take place at the Dollar General. At the Dollar General, <laughs> yeah. Let's hit up a high-value target. Let's hit the Dollar General. <laughs> After getting the money, the masked bandit ordered the employees to lay down on the ground, and then they took off in a van, quote, described as rust-covered in the late 80s, a Chevrolet or GMC. Well, th- thanks. You just gave a description of probably 30% of the vehicles in Henderson County. <laughs> the the mask was a vampire-like um, oh, that's creepy. mask. He was also, again, carrying the balloons. Here's what got me is when uh, he left the Dollar General, he was en route to Transylvania County. Oh, nice. That's a nice touch. That, that is well a, done. I think, well you know, done. maybe doubled back, but the Transylvania things to throw them off. <laughs> right. Dra- Dracula's going home. It was like Scooby Doo. Like, <laughs> yeah. who is you, mask man? Uh, well, See, I was wondering, the reason I asked about the mask is I mm-hmm. figured it might be a clown mask since he's carrying balloons. That would be look a whole lot less suspicious. That's I mean, if the, you're a vampire carrying balloons, sure. that's going to raise some red flags. Yeah. You go, wait a minute, there's something odd about this dude. That's the question. So the, the guy was wearing the, the mask. A blue and white flannel shirt, blue jeans, gray gloves, and a camouflage hat. The employee said he was speaking with a Spanish accent. But can I can I just show you the picture? <laughs> the guy won't put down the balloons during the robbery. That's what owns me like none other. Like he loves these said balloons. He's robbing them with the balloons in hand. I wonder if he tied them to his wrist to keep from losing, like you do with a little kid. Maybe he didn't have to hold on to them because he tied them. <laughs> did they, did they find the person? Uh, he is still at large. Uh, He's still at large. Hey, senor. There, there's your mask, by the way. And I'll, I'll oh, have this. That's, that's the, the old dude from the Monsters, man. That's oh, Grandpa Monster. It is. You're. You're right. It's Grandpa Monster. There it is. It's like Grandpa Monster with a unibrow. (laughs) (laughs) It's because the mask is laying flat. If Anthony Davis was the (laughs) Uncle Monster, uh, we'll have the story and the pictures on our website and our show notes. So I just thought that that was funny. That one kind of owned me for a little bit. The 1812 barbecue story started over 20 years ago when Eric and his dad started entering local barbecue competitions for fun. During that time, Eric, a United States Marine, has traveled all over the world picking up flavors and techniques that today is the unique flavor of the award-winning 1812 barbecue. He has honed his craft to bring you the fall-off-the-bone pulled pork, the mouth-watering ribs, and finely crafted beef brisket. Eric has developed his own amazing dry rub and delicious barbecue sauce. And let's not forget those sides. With the coleslaw, smoked Gouda mac and cheese, cowboy baked beans, and to top it all off, banana pudding and pecan pie for dessert. Getting hungry yet? Good. Call or email Eric at 1812 BBQ and he can make your next catered meal happen. Weddings, graduation parties, family reunions, and other events will be memorable with 1812 BBQ. Want to try your hand at smoking meats? Pick up your own 1812 dry rub and start the journey for yourself. Shipping all over the world, connect with Eric on his Facebook page, Instagram at 1812 BBQ, or call 704-604-5148. That's 704-604-5148. And email Eric at eric.line at 1812bbq.com, and he will be glad to help. Uh, Our next story is something that I think I'm going to enjoy immensely. Sony is making a silent, wearable air-conditioned shirt available Hmm. next year. Nice. Wow. Explain this tech. Um, Because, of course, 
global temperatures have been rising. Oh, yeah, of course. We've got to find a way to beat the heat. So Sony is working on um, a, um, a air conditioner that goes around the collar of your shirt that is be- that will be an air conditioner and blow down into, blow your, shirt. Down into your shirt. Yeah, it promises to keep you cool. Uh, so far, the temperatures are creating some some pretty interesting numbers on on your back it'll go from 97 degrees and it'll cool it down to 73 degrees the app uh, on the device will be controlled via bluetooth and pricing it at about uh, 117 dollars wow for this but it's removable you okay put it on uh, different shirts and you're good to go think about me that's that that would revolutionize football in the south Oh, oh yeah You're right about that. I mean, think about sitting at a football game. It's a billion degrees on a Saturday afternoon or Sunday afternoon. Sunny side of the stadium. Oh, that would be. Mm -hmm. Or or also revolutionized grilling in the South. Oh, yeah. You're standing out. Because my grill at like 4 o'clock and 5 o'clock in the afternoon, the sun is just baking you. And you're standing Mm -hmm. in front of the Mm sick. I mean, I'm telling you. I can see it now. It could be at a football game and. Marty, I'm sweating like a pig. What's got your nipple so hard over here? Cut diamonds. It's my new, it's my new Sony. Uh, it's, my shirt. New, it's my new shirt. <laughs> uh, the release date now is March 2020, uh, and it will be in Tokyo during the 2020 Summer Olympics. Wow. Good timing there, Sony. Uh, and then hopefully we'll be able to buy it here in the U.S. Would you pay $117 for it? No. No? Oh, Pardon? yeah, absolutely for that. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. I'm too frugal. Yeah. Maybe I would do it as a product testing thing. Oh, okay. So get it you for free and get to keep it. Yeah. yeah. Well, here's, a, here's the thing. It'll probably be available in like five years on like the, the Father's Day oh. gift aisle at Target <laughs> for like it's as a knockoff. As seen on TV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, there's... Get a free Gotham skillet with a purchase. There's nothing better for a fat man than an air conditioner. And uh, having a one portable, that's that's perfect. It's a game changer. It's a game changer. Absolutely. I mean, I I, I enjoy my air-conditioned seats. Uh, You're not kidding. Man, when we went on that bourbon trail, Mm. I loved it. So now I'm like getting like those little fans and just shoving them down the seat. (laughs) Not quite the (laughs) same. That don't work the same. Yeah. So, all right. So let's go into some... um, Marty, did you have a... I, I did. Actually, I had something. I was driving home from work today, and I was behind this car at a traffic light, and I couldn't believe what I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, the car had Lamborghini written on the back of it. Mm. And I'm like, okay, this Come is on. obviously, you know, but it was a hatchback sport utility SUV, like Karen, president of the homeowners association would drive Lamborghini, Lamborghini, Lambo. And I was like, you know, Lamborghini is supposed to be like, you know, like, Sports car. Yes, but yeah, something right. they'll do 200 miles an hour with your hair on fire. Sure. Not something you go pick up the kids from soccer practice in. Right. And it, I just, for a moment, I just felt like part of my childhood died. Oh. You know, just sitting yeah. there looking at that. I'm like, oh, who yeah, was are... the brain surgeon that came up with this? Mm. Well, yeah, because so, that was every, that was always the Matchbox or Hot Wheels car that oh, you had to have, yeah. the Lambo or the Ferrari. Well, yeah. yeah, the Ferrari was Magna P.I. And I think, what was it, uh, Heather Thomas had the poster of her on the Lamborghini at some point when I probably so also uh, correct me if I'm wrong was it Miami Vice as well yeah I think it was uh, they probably had them in there yeah, them, yeah. but yeah the Lambo Countach yeah. mm-hmm. that was the car to have that and was now fantastic. they're making now they're making yuppie sport utility vehicles yeah and I'm like <laughs> <laughs> so so bottom line they sold out and you're sad I, I'm just like you know, yeah. I just it, I don't even know if they call it selling out. I mean, you know, I guess they own the company. Do it when the you uh, want, but. when you got to get the kids across town to play soccer. 
just hop in the old Lambos. Yeah. You know, I was like, it just, it just didn't fit. And you see, you see sure. some things that just don't add up, you know? Yeah. No. It, that was one of those things that just doesn't add up to it's, me. It's one of those things where when you, when a kid says, yeah, my dad drives a Lamborghini, you don't think of a <laughs> mm-hmm. SUV. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you might as well just get the, the old. I can't wait for that. I can't, Force one. I can't for like the first one that gets like maybe 15 years old and some redneck buys it. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, and, and totally, and totally drops it low rider. Or puts a, or puts a, uh, a, a light kit, kit on it, a sky kit, light, kit uh, sky yeah. kit. <laughs> fog lights, sky kit with the neon, the neon uh, under the uh, could wheel possibly or have the yeah you know, have the General Lee painted on the side. Right. I can see it now. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> you talk about one of the things that surprised you uh, a couple weeks ago. We had Coop from the Seven 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 Three Foundation. Mm-hmm. I didn't get to talk about this, but he let me drive the Tesla, and I thought electric car in my head. I'm thinking Prius, whatever. I don't I don't know. But I'm not kidding. I barely pushed that pedal halfway just, down, and dude, I was I was hit hitting the back of the seat. It was insanely yeah. powerful. It was like a roller coaster on yeah, that thing. Yeah, they're they're pretty intense. They're pretty cool. Wow, it was that's it was our goal awesome. now. Yeah, we thought we, have I one. told you like we need to split one. <laughs> it should hit Elon up so if he sponsors the show. Oh, that'd yeah. be so nice. That would be fantastic. I'll tell him I have some weed for him. <laughs> Wait, what? Because he went on the Joe Rogan show. That's what yeah, he smoked weed with Joe Rogan. Oh, how about you? Well, we don't have tank, to tank the stock the next day. <laughs> <laughs> it did. All right, let's go to our hot topics brought to you by Watchman Cigars. If you want a quality cigar at a reasonable price, check out our friend at Watchman Cigars. The views and opinions of Southern Fried Philosophy are not necessarily those of our guests, sponsors, or friends of the show, but they should be. Um, so this isn't a hot topic. This is a story that I thought, um, Mojo, you sent me that was uh, heartwarming fantastic. There was a uh, woman in uh, Pinson, Alabama. Um, It all started with a letter in her mailbox, no return address, no name, just words. She said, I opened it and I was pretty much, I opened it and I was pretty much shamed for my yard. The writer of the letter accused her of not caring about her home. Uh, She said that the letter said it was an eyesore. It's affecting our resale value of our homes and that you need to do better. Um, the, the recipient, um, Randa Raglan is, is there, is her name. She said, I first felt a little angry, but then, um, she went to social media just to kind of let everybody know what was going on. Her focus has been turned on her family, especially her three-year-old son. He's autistic. He's nonverbal. And a few days before his third birth- birthday, he was diagnosed with neuroblasta stage four, four cancer. Um, so she put that on social media and somebody just picked that up and it started to go viral. She said, uh, very soon, shortly after that, uh, people were coming to her yard, a landscaping crew was there, did the whole thing, didn't even say anything and, um, asked for payment or anything. So just did, they, they did her yard and then took off. And then the rest of the week, people were coming by her home, doing yard, um, maintenance, fixing her home. Just really kind of coming diapers together. Diapers for the kids. Diapers yeah. for the kids. Just really coming together. And even one volunteer um, recently just lost his daughter two weeks ago and said, this is a part that uh, I'm doing this to help heal my own self. And so it, Hot Topics doesn't necessarily have to be hot, like crazy news. Sure. But I thought this was a really good yeah, did, It made me feel you, good. because it, that you said, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, with news now, and we've said this before, um, if it doesn't bleed, it doesn't lead. I mean, mm. that's why the news gets the news get uh, they the stories that lead usually bleed. That's how they get ratings. Mm-hmm. That's how they get people um, to watch. That's how they get ad buys and sponsorships. So yeah. 
stuff, stories like this, these are the ones we need to highlight. Yeah, definitely. And just, and this, this happened in rural Mississippi. Randa Raglan mm. is a black lady and people of all colors came and helped her. Yeah. Didn't, they didn't question. Yeah. They didn't ask her religion. They didn't ask her if she was part of a certain societal group, whatever. They yeah. just came out and they met the need where it needed to be met. And to be clear, uh, she posted on Facebook just to say, hey, you know, this is what's going on. She wasn't looking for charity. Yeah. She wasn't looking for any help. She was just saying, if you did this, uh, if you know me, like, here's the situation that's going on. She says that she's still in shock. She doesn't have a large family. She said her mom's gone. My dad's gone. My brother's gone. And it means a lot. So there's a GoFundMe to help Jackson's medical bills. But, oh, man, what a feel-good story. Well, the what what broke me down in tears, and I have no no problem admitting after when watching this video, the guy, one of the guys actually mm-hmm. helping, his daughter passed away from the same disease her son has about a week before. Yeah. So, man, what a therapeutic thing. I, 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 that's the reason why I love to give back to people and to help people is because it makes me feel good, too. It's yeah. Anytime you donate something, or you do something good, it is it is a pure endorphin dopamine rush for yourself, too. Yeah. And selfishly, that's the reason why I like to volunteer for things and get myself in a stupid volunteering situation, just because <laughs> I like that high. Yeah. Well, you know, that story for me is a really good example of a lot that's wrong with this country right now and a lot that's right with this oh, country. Yeah. Mm. You know, the, first per- the person that started this, yeah. instead of saying, oh, I wonder what's going on over there. Yeah. Let me go knock on her door and see if there's something I can do to help exactly. this. Instead, does the one of the most petty things you can do, which is anonymously try to slander somebody. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and which is basically the American way right now on mm-hmm. social media. If you can anonymously slander others, that's basically what the Internet's for. But, you know, so she did this and the lady's like, you know what? She felt enough that she had to express it somehow. So mm-hmm. she, obviously, you know she reached out on social media because maybe that's her outlet. Maybe that's yeah. what she can do. And then the right side of things are all these people saw it and go, you know what? Yeah. We're going to do something about this. We can't do much, but we can do something. But yeah. uh, uh, collectively. Yeah, you exactly. Can you can move a mountain if you get enough people together. Yeah. And uh, I bet the, I bet the neighbor who saw this uh, and then wrote the letter, Man, they got to feel like a big ass jerkwad. I'm telling you right yeah. now. They, get, they so. have to. Yeah. I hope it made a dent. Smart enough yeah. I hope it made a dent. If it doesn't make a dent, then, you know, that doesn't, yeah. man. We'll have the the link to that story and the GoFundMe on our show notes right now. It looks like out of, uh, the, the goal is 25000 they've raised $17,500. Oh, wow. Actually, it was wow. ten. the goal was 10000 the other day. And, oh, wow. And I think they had it, I think, halfway at that point. So, um, yeah, there's obviously medical expense. I mean, yeah. cancer treatment's not cheap, and cancer sure. treatment for a pediatric case is definitely not cheaper. So, yeah, um, yeah if you can donate a few bucks... Do it. That'd be great. If you are in the market for a high-quality cigar for a very reasonable price, you must check out Watchman Cigars. Watchman Cigars is a family-owned business that puts the customer first with the best customer service in the business. Watchman Cigars offers the Habano for a full, spicy flavor, the Connecticut for a mild, easy-to-smoke option, and the Maduro for a strong, powerful experience. They even do specialty blends and partner with you to provide a custom exclusive line just for you. Watchman Cigars has all your cigar needs. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Watchman Cigars 1991 or email Leon directly at Watchman underscore cigars at yahoo.com. That's Watchman underscore cigars at yahoo.com 
or check out the sponsors section of our website. Um, Mojo, we we don't want to go any longer without talking about the the mass shootings that happened. So I know you wanted. To yeah, bring that up. I, I never like to respond to anything right immediately when it happens because um, you know lo- people have just lost loved ones. You don't mm-hmm. have all the facts. Um, we're I I I used to be a very knee jerk reaction type person, um, and then facts would come out and then you'd have to change your position or mm-hmm. ratify your position or hold the position and look like a moron. So, um, but if for our international listeners, I'm sure you've heard, um, that, you know, we had, we had two fatal back to back mass shootings. Um, it was, I guess a 13 hour period. Uh, we had the first one start out in Texas, uh, El Paso, Texas, uh, 22 confirmed, uh, killed and mm-hmm. then another 26, I believe injured. Uh, then also in Dayton, Ohio, <clears throat> we had over ten killed, or ten killed, and then I think another twenty. There's claiming twenty seven injured, but actually only thirteen of them were by gunfire. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm sure there, they, were, it, there were several injured fleeing the scene, yeah, trying to get away mm-hmm. from the gunfire. Away. So yeah. mass stampede. Yep. So um, and there was actually a third. There was seven shot at a playground in Chicago uh, the next day. Oh wow, that's so, Chicago though. But still, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, I know what you're saying, yeah. and. Um, so I guess we just want to kind of talk about this as kind of maybe a roundtable forum. I mean, you know, I I, I have my uh, vivid opinions on uh, how things should be. And, of course, now um, this is a reason why I'm not a Republican and also I'm not a Democrat. It's because um, I firmly believe in the Second Amendment. And uh, we've already got several members of the GOP, GOP now trying to make a bipartisan bill for, for – um, laws to be passed for guns. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm never, I'm never a big fan of making laws due to, due to emotional impact mm-hmm. because I think, that. because I think you can, that's a slippery slope. And we always talk about slippery slopes, but I think that can be a slippery slope where we enact some stupid stuff that it's harder to undo than to maybe find out what the root cause is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Patriot Act, Patriot Act being in. Patriot Act is a great, great example. Um, there's just uh, there's probably a handful of laws that we probably could quote that have been reactionary laws that really have no intended use, yeah. but it just encroaches on civil liberties. Yeah, I mean, I know we we say this and people get sick of hearing it, but thoughts and prayers to to the friends and family of of those folks. I don't I don't know what it would take to make everybody happy. Um, there's no way, and and that's my point. Is you look at Chicago, L.A. Um, New York, who's got the Baltimore, who's got the toughest, strictest gun laws. Detroit. D.C. D.C., Detroit. DC. Yeah. And and it doesn't help. Um, I think that it's, again, more of a hard issue. We've stopped valuing human life, and uh, we can see that, and we can see the effect of that. Uh, I, I think that we have got to look at mental health. Um, why are these people doing this? What is the point? What is... What is the common thread? And I, I see broken homes and I see uh, kids without dads and, and, and parents that are, are there to tell them no. Um, so, I mean, what's it going to take? I don't know. Well, I'm glad you said conditions of the heart and, you know, what's it going to take? Because actually uh, there's some a group that was funded by the National Institute of Justice that's a research arm of the U.S. Department of Justice, actually went back and uh, basically went back to the database of all mass shootings since 1966. Mm. And they went back and looked at four things that all 
shooters had in common. Well, this is four things that kept coming up. Um, vast majority of the mass shooters had uh, experienced some type of childhood trauma, um, exposure to violence at an early age. Uh, so therefore, they suffer with depression, anxiety, uh, thoughts of disorder, uh, thoughts of suicide, things like that. Um, secondly, um, every mass shooter studied uh, had a crisis point within weeks or a month that, that leading up to it that could have been identified. So you had mm. job termination, loss of loved one, breakup, relationships ending, things like that. So there's been traumatic events um, that have sparked that kind of maybe downward spiral. Uh, thirdly. Um, most of the shooters um, sought validation for their motives. Um, the crisis had it kind of crisis had presented itself, and they seek some type of validation for who they are. And a lot of times, when I guess we kind of talk about the validation, um, for the third and fourth things that they had in common kind of come in play. And the fourth thing, um, they had the means to carry out. Now, um, once they decided to do this. Uh, they they had a means, so they either had access to weapons, some sort, bombs, cars, you know, because we've seen that too, mass murders of cars, mm-hmm. knives, things like that. Um, but when when they decide to do this, they a lot of these guys they want to be they want to be rational. A lot a lot of these guys do. They'll write some type of manifesto. They'll write some type of notes explaining their actions. They, they've had some of them that do videos. They want to have people to understand them. So. There's four things all these people have had in common. Um, oh, but let me break out some other statistics. I thought this was kind of interesting. Eighty um, percent of school shootings, uh, the perpetrators got the weapons from family members. Um, workplace uh, use it as a personal, and then mass shooters who uh, have gone out and um, uh, just done random things actually had illegal weapons. But it's, school shootings is kind of you know. Um, family members. So I, mm-hmm. that's one thing I think we can do for gun violence is, you know, if you're a family member, lock up your guns. Yeah. And things yeah, like that. That's a good point. But um, w- I think with people, reason why people seek validation is because the media gives them the hype. There's a, this also study actually has tracked the media coverage and the spike of increases of mass shootings. Um, people, they, you know, the first thing you see when you turn on the news is big, bold face type of how many kills, mm-hmm. how many dead, how many injured. And it almost seems like the study says that it almost seems like they're trying to one up each other, like a scoreboard. Scoreboard, almost, yeah. And they've uh, they said I've been reading some this week how the likelihood of another shooting goes up drastically in exactly. the three weeks mm. following a shooting. Mm. You notice we've had really, um, well, the media covered three. We've had four in the last three weeks. We had the one at the Garlic Festival in California, yeah. and the one in El Paso. We had the one in Dayton, and then we had the one in Chicago. Um, that they haven't said whether or not the one in Chicago was really a, like a random or if it was a targeted thing that they, have, right. they haven't come out and said right. one way or the other on that. But I mean, you know, obviously the garlic festival in El Paso and Dayton, that was just people ra- randomly shooting random, people. Yeah. Um, I, you know, there's, I, I agree. There's no easy answer in, on any of this. Again, lock up your guns, you know, number yeah, one, but. Yeah. Um, I I think the mental health thing has got to be addressed. I think you've no, got I agree to, with that. You've got to somebody knew that those guys were at a breaking point. I mean, somebody. Yeah. I mean, how often do you hear a story of a mass shooting and you know they interview people on the news and says, "Man, we never saw that coming." Yeah, it, that just came. That just came out of the blue. We had no idea he was crazy or he would do something like that. There's always three or four people that they interview or talk to afterwards that says. 
Oh, like the dude in Ohio. Yeah, he had a kill list in high school of kids he wanted to shoot. Yeah. Or in the or, South, we say, that boy ain't right. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's very rare that one of these events happens that nobody saw it coming. Well, I mean, but also, you know, we're, we're asking the government to put restrictions on guns. And we're asking them to enforce it. Mm-hmm. Now, let's keep in mind the Parkland shooter was actually visited by the FBI over 30 times. Mm-hmm. But they couldn't do anything. Right. Or they didn't do anything. Yeah. But we're asking the same government to, to keep us safe. And it just doesn't make sense to me. I think, I think this, every time this happens, I think, and I'll say this through the, through the lens of our faith is I think that it's a indictment of the church mm. that the, the church should be there for those people to create community. Mm. We're not showing love. We're, we're be, being part of the div, the division that's happening in our country. Mm. Uh, it, we're, it's us versus them. We're, we're also pushing that narrative that it's them and it's us. We're we're dividing America. We're we're making we're part of the the problem of putting people in their little buckets, and I, I don't see anywhere where Jesus said, uh, you know, you can hang out with this group of people, but don't hang out with the other group. In fact, it was the opposite, right? right? Jesus hung out with the people that nobody else wanted to hang out with. We're Get outside yeah, your comfort zone. We definitely our church can be very polarizing, and ostracization happens. And I hate that. And you're exactly right. I, I, that's probably something that I've never thought of is that the church is complicit yeah. in this. I, I think that we, we've we also broke down community. Mm. Community, even if you have a broken down family, that doesn't mean you break down your community. Uh, the people that are next door to you, the people that are across the street, the people that are, you know, four houses down that need help. It's your job to go help them and to let them know that they're loved, that that people will care about them. That if you need help, we are here. But we, again, we silo ourselves. We make it all about us and we don't help others. The community has broken down. And until we wake up and stop listening to the lies of media, social media, whatever anybody wants you to believe, guys, we're, we're Americans. Who cares what color your skin is? Let's come together and be unified because until there's unity, and until we value each other and until we value life, this is just going to keep happening. Well, it's going to get worse because the siloing you spoke of, I mean, it's so easy now. Most people's social interaction now is digital. Mm-hmm. So it is so easy to only interact with people who line up with you on 99%. Mm-hmm. I mean, most people's biggest disagreement with their friends is, well, I like red sauce and I like Alfredo sauce. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Or shattering disagreement. Right. Because there's no, they don't, they, people just, they insulate themselves with only people who they already agree with. Yeah. There's no give and take. There's no common, there's no, you know. Common sense. Common there's sense. one and there's no compromise. No back and forth. There's no compromise. Yeah. No need to compromise. And so what you're doing is you're constantly getting these people that go, it's really easy to go from having, oh, well. Everybody outside of my circle must be crazy because everybody in my circle agrees with me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you go from everybody outside my circle is crazy. Yeah. Eventually, I mean, you look at it right now politically. We've got people on the far right and the far left that sure. think both of them are evil. Right. And one hundred percent kill all Nazis, kill all fascists. Mm-hmm. You know, well, libtards. We need to flush the country full of libtards. If you don't yeah. like it, you can leave it. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that you know. It, it, it's just going to get worse. Yeah. And the people in the middle, I mean, realistically, I know 
you know, I don't mean to sound violent because it's not the right way to do it, but metaphorically, the people in the middle need to stand up, smack these people in the back of the head and say, sit down and shut up and let the adults run the thing for a little while. Mm -hmm. But that's not what's happening. The inmates are running the asylum on both (laughs) ends, and the normal people are too busy going to work every day and paying their bills to really care. Yeah, the question is, where's Batman? Uh, where, but where is the the person that's going to stand up and say no more? It doesn't or, need to be a person; it needs to be people, right? And I'm not, and I'm please understand, like I'm not yeah. saying the the next president or a president or yes. any one person can do this besides Jesus. I, I think that there needs to be the collective of we've got to come together, both sides. We've got to be unified in this, and whatever the you know. The school shootings or whatever, but just love people. Like, why is this so difficult? Well, that's because our culture right now, because, you know, we act like this is a big deal. Like, I mean, I don't, my heart goes out for the families because I've lost loved ones, but Mm -hmm. really in essence, no one cares. This, this will be off the news. We don't remember Parkland. We don't remember the, uh, the gay club shooting in Miami. Mm -hmm. We don't remember any of that stuff because it goes by. And it's not because it's getting more frequent. Stuff's being reported on. Mm. But we have a pension for violence in this country. Look yeah. at all the movies. The ones that are blockbusters, all gore. I yeah. mean, John, Wick, John well, Wick kills 733 guys in the first two minutes of a movie. And, and nobody bats an eye. Nobody bats an eye. Well, I mean, to me, the— I mean, let's let's be clear, too. I mean, Scar does kill Mufasa. Uh, There's that one. Ooh, yeah, I, I have not seen Lion King yet. Spoiler alert! <laughs> but, I mean— the to me the one that told me that nothing's going to change was Sandy Hook. Mm. Yeah, I mean that dude executed six year olds. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, like, in, in, and it didn't it didn't register. There are people yeah. on both sides of the issue that are still talking about it because it's their pet issue. Sure. And I don't. I'm not trying to bel- to you know belittle it because I'm not. That's to me how serious it is. It's like. A dude walked into an elementary school, executed 26 children, and a week later, it was off the front page of the news, and people were on to another topic of the day that was earth-shattering and going to yeah. kill everybody. No, you're you know. right. And, you know, if you can't come together and figure out how to prevent stuff like that from happening when it's that number of kids and that, it's not going to happen. I just wish... I was going to say, I'm not, I don't want to steal from Vince Coakley, but he, I was listening to a show as well, but he said, who, who is the voice that's going to bring them together to bring us together? He said, notice this, this shooting is very different than some of the others. As soon as it happened, most of the time, the nation, at least for a moment stops and, and grieves together. And then a couple of weeks after, here we go with the political stuff. That didn't happen at all this time. No, that was like 10 minutes. 10 minutes and we're, and now the Democrats are trying to raise money based off of this. Uh, it's, it's a blurb that's coming out, you know, it's a soundbite. But oh, Trump's, was, Trump's raising money on it too. They're yeah. selling bumper stickers to say, uh, if you like your guns, you can keep them. So, I mean. Yeah, but also, you know, he's also, these guys are accept, upsetting the constituency though, because, I'm you know. Stirring them up. Rep, Rep uh, Crenshaw and Trump both have talked about these red, new red flag laws. Yeah. Which, I mean, what does that mean? You know? Well, I mean, red flag laws are, they've got to be, that, that that one makes me cringe. Um because it's you know that could be personal vendetta really easy. It's subjective, yeah. Can you um, maybe explain what the red law like means? Basically, um, 
or the, the easiest one would be no domestic violence. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. I think we all agree on so, that. Well, no, no, basically simply say Leanne and I had an argument. This never happened, but say Leanne and I had an argument. <laughs> ever, ever. And, you know, for whatever reason, she took out a restraining order on me as a result of that argument. Sure. At that moment, I forfeit my guns in the state hmm. because I'm a domestic violence threat. Yeah, so you know. And yeah. now maybe I'm a threat. Maybe I'm not. I'm not saying that anyone would ever file a false police report because we both know that or all know that never, ever happens. But, I mean, that's a red flag law that, you know, there's no due process. I lose my rights based on the word of someone else until it gets sorted out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that guilty, type, guilty before innocent. Guilty. Yeah. Guilt, prove your innocence to get your stuff back. Exactly. Um, I've, I've got some thoughts on some stuff we could do with guns that, um, I mean, I'm – I would used to be so pro Second Amendment that hey, if you're old enough to walk up and ask for a gun and you can show the responsibility to carry it, it's yours. But um, I'm more now. I I do think there needs to be um, with the number of people you know we have in our society and the tight quarters that we are starting to you know, occupy. Then um, there needs to be some level of training involved. That's more than your dad te- taking you out in the backyard and teaching you how to shoot. But um, you have to define that. And well, I've got you, I've got some thoughts on yeah. that actually. Um, I I think the government has a role to play in the fact that they issue permits now. You can't go buy a handgun now without a government permit, at least not legally. Um, you know, but I don't think the government should be in charge of deciding who gets a permit. Um, I think that there should be a level of training involved to get a permit. But I think you should be certified by an agency, it's not the government, because I have zero trust in the government. To hmm. I mean, they can't even collect taxes properly, let alone, <laughs> um, let alone regulate anything uh, efficiently. But I think once you get that permit, this is where the gun nuts are going to love me. It's nobody's business what you buy with that permit. If you can talk somebody into selling you an air, anti-aircraft gun, if you've got the right, if you've got the permit, you can buy it. Um, but I think there has to be a certain level of training and. Um, and mental competency, even, and I'm not saying, like I said, I don't want the government to determine who's mentally competent and who's passed the training. Um, but I do think that there needs to be something done. I don't even think I, here's the problem is this one, one of the outside problems with this is that you, you do all that 10 years later, you have a mental break and you go out and kill everybody. No one can tell you condition of your heart and your psychology, right. you know, psychological status. There, there's problem. There's problems either either A or B. Right. If we confiscate every gun out there by legal gun owners that are registered, crim, criminality goes up. In fact, there's a, there's a, a chain with that. There's there's a reciprocal chain of you ban something, it becomes black market item. Mm-hmm. Black market item fuels more crime, and it's just a big you know circle. The AR-15 well, was not a desired gun until. Bill Clinton said, you can't have it. Mm. And then all of a sudden now we're piecing meals, piece mealing the guns together. And then they are 15 is a perfect gun to do that. Then he became one of the biggest salesmen of guns. But next up was Obama to, to get those things sold. So, and Obama never actually really banned anything. He just just, talked about it. In fact, Trump has banned more, banned more items than, 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 uh, Obama did with the you know the, the bump stocks executive orders um, and stuff yeah. yeah and but also with the even the rhetoric the rhetoric he's talking rhetoric right now he's talking about is even more vile than Obama's would you what do you guys think about restraining the limiting the magazine size well, nineteen sixty six 
uh, Whitman, last name Whitman. He's the one who did yep. the Texas, Texas shooting. Book, Texas, or Texas Library Tower. Yeah. yeah. He nailed, he killed 16 people, I think, in a two-and-a-half-hour spree, and he used a rifle with a three-round magazine. Mm. Because he was in a spot where nobody could get to him. Well, magazine capacity has nothing to do with it. And because it's, it magazine, magazine capacity, I mean, you, you could have a... I don't, I, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit there. The dude in Dayton, he killed nine people in less than 30 seconds. I, no, I agree with you on that. And, he I mean, had a hundred round magazine? Yeah, right? yeah, he had a two-drum magazine. And uh, if he'd had to stop and re- reload, maybe he doesn't. You know, But, I mean, still. But see, here's the thing. Criminals will always modify. Criminal, I, and I agree with here's that. The, here's the thing. You, know, you can ban all hundred-round magazine drums, okay? There's probably a lot of people that would be for that. Well, what's to say that you can't take three thirty-round magazines, tape one up, two down, you're and to, you're and, still good. I mean, go. I mean, granted, you're ten short, but yeah. well, and and here's the other argument: is the three D printing will just make those and yeah. pop them out, no questions asked. So are now, you going to ban three D printing? I right. Mean, and so pl- and plus, you have guns now that you can buy. You can buy a lower, you know, uh, an AR lower. You mm-hmm. can buy AR uh, rail system. And you can buy these individual parts as long as you have enough mechanical capacity. Mm-hmm. You can actually assemble these guns, oh, which yeah. have no serial numbers. Yeah. So and I mean we're and there are millions of illegal guns on the streets in this country already that nobody knows where they are, what yeah. they are. They're not regulated in any way, shape, or form. I mean, so if you start taking guns away from people who have them for legitimate purposes, uh, it's just you know. And and I don't think, and maybe I'm naive, and, and tell me if I am, but I don't think any party, Democrat or Republican, legitimately want to take away all the guns. I think that's just a talking point from the Republicans. There is an element of society that is hell bent on removing public or private citizen gun ownership. There is, I would say, is probably fifteen to eighteen percent of the population is committed to that idea. And but there's fifteen to eighteen people percent of people that that want you know cupcakes for dinner. Like it's not legitimately yeah, going to happen. Them having cupcakes for dinner is not going to impact my personal right to defend my family. <laughs> I understand. No, that. I mean there's there's been statements by certain left wing Democratic leaders who have talked about, you know, Mr. And Mrs. Homeowner or a gun owner, if you think you can keep your guns, well, we're going to take well, it away. And But I'm talking middle of the talking road. talking points. I know middle of the road. I, you know, I don't know. Like I actually listened to Bernie Sanders today on Joe Rogan and he haven't made it to that one yet. I'm getting there. I mean, I don't trust anything the guy says because he, his hands in my pocket the whole time, but. And, and flailing and not, around. Not in a fun way. Not in a fun <laughs> way either. So I, I don't, I don't trust anything the guy says, but he's like, yeah. you know, I, I'm from Vermont. We hunt, you know, I, I can't take guns away from my constituents. I don't trust a leader right. as far as I can say, throw them, but um, it just it baffles me that um, we think we think modifications or we think uh, a simple banning this yeah. item or tool will actually stop this. And here, here we're, at, we're asking the government to ban something. Guess who the two largest gun running operations in the past fifty years have been? The United States government, mm-hmm. Fast yeah. and Furious of Mexico. I ran Contra. We ran guns. Yeah. Half of the, in fact, some don't, of the guns. Don't forget Afghanistan in the Afghan, early 80s. Yeah. Afghanistan, actually Afghanistan in the 2000s. Yeah. Um, but we ran guns. We we ran guns in Mexico just right below the border. We actually had one of those guns come back to kill several people mm-hmm. in our own country, and also yeah. including a border patrol. So we're asking a government that's complicit in gun running to actually uh, implement yeah. gun laws. It's just that's like that's like asking the wolves what they want to to eat, and you know, as a sheep as a voting, yeah, you know, God. I think, and and we'll we'll wrap this up. But I think again, the key to this is to to love your neighbor, 
you know, get to know who that person is so that there is a sense of community. So people feel belong. So people feel that, that people care about them and have a relationship, maybe to talk them out of it. That's always a key component. I mean, I, I think, Love. I mean, that's that's some hippy dippy yeah, crap. Yeah, it's not but, like that. What are, what was it? Wiseman or whoever. Well, if we followed the simple rule of love thy neighbor, I think we'd be a lot sure. different position. Yeah, it's not hippy dippy. It's it's a legit. Do you care about your community? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm, I'm sorry, I was making it clear that we're not yeah. the, the uh, hippy dippy love where we get break out the patchouli oil and the yeah. Birkenstocks. I mean, well, like Yael said, you know, it's we can talk about the national debate, but what good is that going to do if you don't go down to the community level? And if you are really upset about people dying because of guns, go love somebody that you might think is a little not. I don't want to stereotype and be like, oh, this guy's weird. I'm going to go love him. But go take some cookies to your neighbor or have conversations. We all knew that kid growing up that was just a little bit off. Yeah. You know, that was usually me. (laughs) And, you know, you, you all I mean, we and I guarantee Every one of us has at one point made a joke. It's like, I wouldn't be surprised that guy shot someplace up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so instead of saying that to your buddies, check on that guy. Yeah. See how he's doing. Exactly. Take a temperature. And hey, if something seems really off. Yeah. Say something. Right. You know? Um, Yeah. It's again, there's no easy answer and you're never going to eliminate all of it. But, you know, that's as an individual you're going to accomplish so much more putting your arm around somebody that's yep. a little off than you are ever demanding legislation or anything like that. Yeah. And I, I think yeah. you're right. I think you're hundred percent right. Maybe most of us need to take our noses out of the national debate on things mm-hmm. and actually focus on the local, local, but I mean, and people, I mean, people arm length distance away from you. Yeah. I mean, I've got a 13 year old son and I have this conversation with him all the time because I know what it's like to be a kid at school that's, you know, kind Tough. of pushed yeah. it, not ostracized, but just kind of pushed to the side. Mm-hmm. And um, I've seen it. I've you know, experienced it. I'm like, you know, don't be that guy that does that to people. Be the yeah. guy that brings those people in. Yep. Um, and that's, I mean, because, I mean, most of the shooters are young males. Yeah. That, I mean, not, you know, mass shooters. I mean, I, I don't remember. There may have been one female mass shooter. I guess the San the, Bernardino, San Bernardino, the couple out in mm-hmm. San Bernardino. But, I mean, outside of that, I mean, they're pretty much all male. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, there's a, you know, there's a dangerous combination of depression and testosterone and just this social media soup that stirs things up. Yeah. And nobody wants to talk about all the medication we're putting these kids yeah. on. No, yeah. yeah. That's a good point. All right, guys, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to have our special guest, Frank Capanello. He is a keto chef extraordinaire, ratatouille or something like that. Is that? We're going to talk about chaffles. (laughs) All right. All that more on this episode of the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. I really do hope you love Southern Fried Philosophy. Did you know that you can actually get paid for listening to this podcast? I know it sounds insane, but it's true. We just discovered this free new app called PodCoin, and it literally pays you to listen to podcasts. Here's how it works. You listen to podcasts and you earn PodCoin while you listen. Then you turn that PodCoin into gift cards like places like Amazon or Starbucks. Or if you're a good person, you can even donate that PodCoin to charity. The more you listen, the more you earn. So here's what you do. Download the app right now on iPhone or Android, and I have a special code for you. Simply use our code SOUTHERNFRIED and you'll get 300 PodCoin just for signing up. 
And if you listen enough to us on there, you can get a cappuccino at Starbucks or an Amazon gift card on us. So go ahead and go listen to this podcast or virtually any podcast on Podcoin and sign up with code Southern Fried. It'll change the way you listen to podcasts. All right. Welcome back to the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast. Today on our podcast, we uh, actually have a guy that I just met, but I've been following his blog for quite a while. Um, I know this is kind of annoying because, you know, that's what's the old joke, uh, a CrossFit or a vegan and uh, someone on the keto diet walking to the bar. How do you know? Because they all tell you, well, I'm proud to say that I've, I've been on keto now for, for about two years and I've lost 60 pounds and I'm, do, I'm doing the lazy keto now, but I'm, I still maintain. Anyway, so I follow this guy's blog on a couple of Facebook pages, um, started just following his blog and website because his recipes look awful delicious. It's, it's more than just eggs and bacon and bunless uh, cheeseburgers. So mm. uh, anyway, so we have Frank Campanella on. He has uh, runs a blog now called culinary, com. He has over 20 years experience as a chef opening up restaurants in the Mid-Atlantic area. Also award-winning barbecue. I guess that's what Godfather's Barbecue, correct? Yeah, that's it. And uh, I guess his amazing journey, and the reason why I wanted to have him on is because he has lost 245 pounds. Wow. Um, congratulations, by the way. Good job, sir. So uh, yeah, welcome Thank to the you. show, Frank. Hey, thanks for having me on. All right, so let's uh, roll back here. So I guess, what's your culinary specialty? What, what did you do for 20 years? Oh, well, you know, I guess my specialty was just opening up uh, all different concepts. Uh, we, I'm from the Maryland area, so I've obviously done a lot of seafood, uh, crabs, fish, stuff like that. But uh, my heritage is Italian, so I do a lot of Italian cooking and uh kind of everything in between i've done irish pubs i've done sushi restaurants and uh yeah that's kind of they i get a call they tell me they want to open up a certain type of restaurant and then we start putting the menu together start planning it out and then uh you know a couple months later we open it up that's awesome well with, with a name like campanella i couldn't imagine um you being a, a italian descent so um, uh, I, I i grew up in the italian classic uh chef training so i've i've very fond of that, even though I'm just a Southern redneck boy. I do enjoy that culinary cuisine scene. But uh, let's uh, let's talk about barbecue. We're a big fan of barbecue here in the South. Mm-hmm. We, in fact, our last show we had on another award-winning uh, barbecue guy. So what's your specialty in the barbecue field? Oh, well, I would – the category that we've done the best in is definitely ribs. Oh, um, come on. We, we, we've definitely won some awards. I'm – I'm still on the fence as to which I like better, a St. Louis Spare or the Baby Backs. But mm. uh, most of the competition, we end up doing St. Louis Spares. And uh, we've had a lot of good luck with that. We beat some guys that uh, you see on Barbecue Pitmasters and, you know, see them on the TV. And we're, we've been able to kind of keep our head in the mix. Uh, we've been out of the game for a while just because my brother had some kids. I got some jobs that kind of tied me up in the summers, but uh, we're getting back into it. And our first uh, competition is actually this October down in Virginia. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. Are any of these uh, sanctioned by like the KCBC or? Yep. KCBS. Yeah. KCB, uh, this, one, yeah. this is a uh, Q and cruise and it's in Louisa, Virginia. And that's sometime in October. I got to look it up, but uh, yeah, that's a KCBS uh, sanctioned. I think if you win it, you get an invitation to the Jack. Uh, invitational down in Lynchburg. Oh, nice. Wow. I so cross my fingers on that one. Well, hopefully so. Um, give us one second. We're trying to figure out what the technical difficult. What? Is it good? Yeah. Um, Frank, can you talk just one more time? We're getting some yeah. feedback. Okay. You're okay. Good perfect. Okay. All right. So let's talk about your, uh, your weight loss journey. So I guess what inspired you to, to take that on? 
Well, it was a big, long story that, you know, kind of has a lot of twists and turns. But the, the short version of it is I was working in the restaurants and I'd been an athlete all through high school. And then after that, I broke my ankle. I was off my feet for probably four months uh, due to surgery and just, you know, being in rehab. And then I put on a ton of weight. I, I just put on a lot of weight. And then I got back into the restaurant business and I just – I had lost that athletic kind of, you know, go get them spirit. And I just kept putting on the pounds and over time and over the years, it just, it packed on and it packed on to the point where I couldn't do my job anymore. I couldn't stay on my feet all day. Um, and you know, you guys have got a little bit, you know, restaurant life in you and you know how it is You know, after work, you go out, you get some drinks, you get some pizza, you turn around, it's four in the morning, you know, and you do it all over again. And so that, kind of whirlwind of just bad habits caught up with me. So um, I actually went down to a weight loss retreat in Hilton Head, South Carolina, and uh, went down there for five weeks. And it wasn't keto. They, they don't really subscribe to any specific uh, diet program, but it's just, it's healthy. It's real food. You kind of, you know, retrain your brain a little bit and uh, start practicing good habits. And uh, one of the trainers I worked with down there, had mentioned uh, intermittent fasting to me. And at the time, I hadn't ever done that or ever heard of it. And so basically, in layman's terms, you know, you just kind of pick a window where you're going to fast. And that could be as little as 12 to 16 hours. It could be as long as, you know, four or five days. Um, so I started fasting uh, for, I guess, the first six months. And I tell you, I lost 100 pounds very, very quickly. And I felt good doing it. Um, I got really good at it. And then over time, I started researching the ketogenic diet. And that's basically where you're eating a high fat, moderate protein and keeping your carbs somewhere between you know 20 and 30 grams a day, depending on who you talk to. And I found that that made it a lot easier for me to fast. So I kept on with that. And uh, I'm still doing it today. And it it was one of those things where... I started taking pictures of the food I was cooking just to kind of, you know, stick my head into the community and meet some people and just, you know, talk, get, get ideas from other people. And then people started coming to me asking for recipes. And so I decided I'd start writing them down. And then I started taking better pictures and then I started, you know, actually putting the recipes up on the internet. And then I actually, uh, I guess about a year, year and a half ago, I started my uh, blog culinarylion.com and, uh, that's kind of bloomed into a lot of different opportunities for me, but that's basically become what I do nowadays. Yeah, I can imagine, I guess maybe another organic move for you on your website is to maybe start doing some live video or, I mean, I noticed a lot of these guys actually uh, try to do these live video segments on Facebook or other social media avenues to try to show people and encourage them as far as uh, cooking and cooking techniques and things like that. Definitely. The, the goal, I do have a YouTube channel and it's culinary line as well. And I've got, I think, 40 or 50 uh, videos. Some are better than others. Uh, a couple of them are, uh, a couple of the old ones are pretty rough to watch. So you might have to put them on mute because the uh, the free music that I download, it's terrible. But, uh, but yeah, uh, I definitely want to get into more video. It's uh, something I enjoy doing. I sometimes on like Instagram stories, I'll just kind of cook my dinner that night and take questions from people, you know, normally anything I post 
within a matter of minutes, I'm getting, you know, 20 questions about either the ingredients or how I cook something or, you know, things like that. So, yeah, I try to just uh, be an open book as far as uh, the culinary side of things and just, you know, share recipe ideas and kind of talk shop with people. Frank, this is a big one. Um, one of the things I just want to clarify, when you first started, you said that you fasted for six months. That wasn't you didn't eat anything for six months. Is that correct? No, no, no. <laughs> okay, all right. Just making sure. Now, I mean, there are people that have done that, but uh, that is <laughs> that is a pretty <laughs> crazy thing. Um, sure. No, what I would do is I would kind of rotate my fasting schedule. So the minimum would be 16 hours a day. So for 16 hours on any given day, I would only drink water and black coffee. And then in that eight hour window, I would eat, you know, a reasonable amount of calories. Um, then as I got into it, I started doing longer fasts. So sometimes I would go for 48 hours. Um, the longest I've ever gone is 120 hours. Oh, wow. Um, oh. Yeah. So that's basically like a Monday through Friday. So uh, I think gracious. Sunday night I I ate dinner and then it was water and black coffee until Friday night. I'm going to call you Jesus going 40 days? Is that what's going on? <laughs> I, would, I, would I definitely don't walk on water. I sink very easily. <laughs> I would be one grumpy individual if I go maybe 12 hours without food. Listen, if I, go, if I sleep, maybe 16. Yeah, if I go yeah. 20 minutes, I'm starting to get grumpy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a funny transformation that happens because, you know, that's the, the first reaction. And everyone I normally talk to, it's like if I go even, you know, a couple hours, I get grumpy or, you know, your blood sugar gets low or, you know. And what happens is you – it is a mind over matter type of thing because when I first read about it, I thought it was crazy. And it's funny because my brother started doing it just because he thought I was going to kill myself. So mm. he wanted to check it out. <laughs> so he started reading about it. And he lost 35 pounds as well. So, you know, he's he's a smaller guy. He just had kind of the beer gut. Um, but uh, he slimmed down doing the same thing as me. So it's it's funny how it worked. But, yeah, the, uh, the answer is you do get used to it and your body adapts to it. And once you kind of realize that it's it's kind of a hormonal thing. You know, the body tells you you're hungry. But once you just kind of tell your body to shut up and I'm not going to feed you mm. – it, it gets the picture. So hunger is not constant. Hunger actually goes away. Now it comes back. Sure it does. But, um, but it's it's funny where you can kind of start to control it. And it's, it's neat because after about the 48-hour point, you actually have this kind of zen-like clarity where you're not hungry for a while. And I mean I'm talking like two days, you know, the, the, the third and fourth day, I actually just cruised right through. And then by the fifth day, I think in my head, I knew I was getting to the end of it and I started to get hungry. So those last like eight to 10 hours, I remember I was just, you know, looking at, you know, gnawing apart the corner of my television set. <laughs> what, uh, how did you break your fast? Well, um, what I do, and that's something you'd really need to research. If, if anybody's out there listening and thinking about intermittent fasting, I do say, do your research because, um, when you refeed after something like four or five days, if you just go hog wild and eat, you know, a giant bag of, you know, buffalo wings or, or you know, something crazy, your stomach is going to hate you. And it is. I remember the first time that I, I refed, I ate like giant steak and all this other stuff. And my stomach was just a wreck. So um, what I recommend is 
breaking the fast kind of in an easy way. So like maybe some avocado, some grilled chicken, something simple, let that settle in your stomach, let all kind of all the uh, digestive enzymes kind of get back to work. And then you can kind of start, you know, getting back to your normal routine. I usually break mine with uh, just ordering every combo I can imagine at Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'll have one of everything. Sir. Yeah, that's right. One of the things you mentioned about, you know, being a chef and, and being in that lifestyle and going, you know, you know, till 4 a.m. and whatnot. Part of the other uh, stigma of being a chef is the, the, the phrase, never trust a fat chef or a skinny chef. Um, <laughs> so did that kind of play into it a little bit of like, well, I'm a chef. People want to know that I eat and I eat well. Did that play into any of the, the mentality of going through that? Or was it just I just didn't I just kind of gave up a little bit? I must have been the most trustworthy chef out of anyone. <laughs> right, sure. Yeah, you, you'd see me coming a mile away and go, that guy knows what the hell he's doing. Sure, <laughs> right. And it's part of but, almost a, you know, a pride thing as well. Well, you know, and I think, you know, it, it's <laughs> – I guess that probably does play in it. I was always the jolly, funny, mm-hmm. you know, chef. Um, you know, I was great with the customers. I, I would go out drinking with the customers after work half the time, you know, so I could definitely see that as something that probably not in the forefront of my brain, but it was probably somewhere in the background that, you know, I'm a chef, I'm not expected to be in shape or, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not, no one's expecting, you know, me to live a healthy lifestyle and it it just, but it kind of deteriorated. It got worse and worse and worse, you know, like I said, to the point where I was having trouble standing through a shift and I couldn't work. And so it, it went from being kind of like fun and, you know, jovial, you know, to actually being, you know, a health problem. So that's, that's finally where, you know, and I let it go pretty far because again, I I just kind of gave up on it. You know, I I just thought that's who I was. Mm -hmm. And, um, I actually, I got really, really sick, uh, ended, ended up spending about a month in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of where things started to turn around and it didn't turn around all at once. You know, see, my thing was I smoked, I drank and I ate like crap. Mm. So I was like the trifecta of bad habits. That's, that's so, the, re- that's the restaurant Trinity right you're, there. You're, you're, oh, it really is. You're yeah, a heart I mean, attack waiting I, to happen. Yeah. Oh, I was the fact that I didn't have a heart attack and I was never diabetic is still astounding to my doctor. Mm -hmm. I mean, he he as he puts it, I'm the healthiest obese man he's ever met. (laughs) Yeah. Been there. Yeah. That's amazing. But uh, but yeah. So, you know, I, I started with quitting smoking. That was the first thing I did. And, you know, I talked to my roommate and we actually picked a day. We said, we're going to we're going to pick this day. We're going to stick to it. And that was probably about five years ago. So I quit smoking for five years and then, you know, I tackled, um, you know, drinking for me. Now I, and I've listened to your guys show a little bit. So I did a little background research. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of bourbon. Attaboy. Um, bur- bourbon is, you know, w- whenever we would open up a restaurant, I would get one of the uh, distributors to get me a bottle of Pat. Ooh, oh, come wow. on with it. You still have this connection. I was always, no, so that was always something. <laughs> it was a tough connection. I do not think that I can acquire the uh, mm. things that I used to. <laughs> the the co- company I used to work for, we spent a lot of money, so they would they would scrounge me up a bottle. Even uh-huh. if it was only the 10-year-old, I would accept it. Sure, uh, sure. 
you know, we're not, we're not savages. (laughs) So, yeah. So I get into, um, you know, the habit of kind of what I did was I quit drinking for about six months and I knew that I didn't want to quit drinking forever. I enjoy it. Um, but what I did was I took a little, you know, break from drinking, got that under control. And nowadays I have a couple drinks from time to time. If it's a Friday night and I'm cooking a good steak, I'm going to have a glass of whiskey with it, mm-hmm. you know, but it's not the drinking to excess seven nights a week mm-hmm. and then passing out face down in a pizza. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of difference between having a you know cocktail with your steak and having a bottle of whiskey with your pizza. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Question about that. How, uh, how did your social life, how did you have to adjust your social life? Cause I know uh, a lot of restaurants, the after hours are, the social aspect is heavily built around, you know, drinking and hanging out with your buddies afterwards, having a glass of beer, good bottle, you know, half a bottle of scotch, whatever it might be. How hard was that adjustment to make? It was really easy. Cause I quit my job. Drastic measures. Yeah. Well, it, it got to that point, you know, I actually, I remember calling up the owner of the restaurant and I said, man, I'm not doing you guys any good and I'll be dead soon anyway. So I think this is the right time for me to step away. And so it just, I kept trying to figure out what I was doing wrong. You know, I, I, I would diet and I've tried every diet there was, and I've tried this and I've tried that and I tried quitting smoking before, but it kept coming back to, it was the job that kept dragging me into these poor decisions. And I don't like to blame the job. You know, mm-hmm. I love the restaurant business. I, and I do miss it. You know, there's, there's something to be said for having a packed reservation book and crushing every single, you know, dish that goes out of the kitchen. You know, all your customers are happy. Everybody made money. You know, th- there's that band of pirates mentality of, <laughs> having a successful kitchen, you know, especially a lot of the ones I worked for. And I do miss that camaraderie. I miss the intensity of it, but I also just had to kind of take a little, you know, step back and look at it and go, I had a good run. I still love to cook and let's transition my cooking skills into something that's not going to kill me. Mm. So yeah, staying on this side of the dirt is kind of important. So I think sometimes transition like that, because I, I, I knew my career was hazardous to my health. It should have came with a Surgeon General's warning, but I, I, maybe it did, and I just didn't read it. But, um, yeah, that's awesome story. But you still have the love of food, and I commend you what you're doing, because you've been quite a bit of an inspiration uh, to the keto community that I, you know, that I follow, and I know that you're an active member on. Um, I, I can't post on there cause I get, I get called out cause people think I'm in, inciting riots on there sometimes. So I'm just kind of, I'm just a fly on the uh, wall, but because uh, of bread, because of your love, no, no love I do, I do love bread, right. <laughs> but no, I, I, I'm a little, I don't know. I'm maybe I'm liberal on uh, the uh, food thing. Cause you know, a lot of, a lot of times you have these people who are really extremely hardcore. Mm. They count a certain ingredients and then sometimes I'll add some of those ingredients into my, my diet and I get called out for it. So I just, oh, quit. Yeah. I, I just had a, you know, I get DMS all day on uh, Instagram and I had a guy, um, I used a quarter teaspoon of baking powder in a recipe no. and immediately, and you almost know it's going to happen. Somebody will send you this message going, baking soda has cornstarch in it. 
not keto in all caps. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, who the hell are you? Yeah. <laughs> all right, like, keto Nazi. I got you. And, and, yeah. I mean, and that's literally so. So, and, you know, I used to, I didn't know how to deal with it at first, but then I just started getting snarky about it. I said, <laughs> look, buddy, if that quarter teaspoon kills me, I'll risk it, mm. you know? And, you know, you've got to look at, I, I, the one thing that drives me crazy about the keto community is how dogmatic it can be. Mm. And I think that goes for any guy. You know, you look at vegans, you look at vegetarians, you look at Weight Watchers people, you know, every, everybody wants to be part of some cult, I guess, you know, and yeah. as much as I enjoy the recipes and as much as I enjoy doing it, there is kind of a dark side to putting yourself out there in these communities because yeah, I get messages all the time. Is that keto or, you know, so to, to clarify, ketosis is a metabolic state. It is where your body is burning ketones instead of sugars. So it's not a list of ingredients. It's not a um, secret decoder ring that you get. <laughs> um, it's, you know, it is a lifestyle. And, you know, again, people get so dogmatic about it. And I'm like, look, buddy, you got to chill out. Like, You've got to live your life still, and you're not going to survive doing this if you can't make it sustainable. So the key is making all of this a sustainable thing to you, you know, for yourself. What's, uh, what's your kind of recent discover discovery as far as a food item, like food substitute that, that you've, maybe, you know, like, for example, I know I noticed uh, um, the chaffle is a big thing in the uh, keto community. <laughs> exactly. is a big thing yes. in the uh, keto community right now. I haven't tried that yet, but I'm going to I'm gonna have to make a round of those because that seems like a very versatile item for a lot of uh, menu items. And I guess maybe you can explain what a chaffle is because I saw it on your, on your blog. I need an explanation on that. Yeah. We, we, oh, yes, yes. And, you know, chaffle is one of those things that it's ingenious and some, you know, it wasn't created by a chef. It was just created by some, like, you know, soccer mom. You know, it's one of those things. It's it's the beauty of the community. Um, a chaffle is basically cheese and egg put in a waffle iron and pressed. And it comes out like this kind of cheesy, crunchy, you know, looks like a waffle. And I use it as a substitute for bread. Um, you know, I actually ordered five guys yesterday and I just got the, uh, you know, the burger in a bowl thing, brought it home made a chaffle and I had a hell of a sandwich. Had a boy. Sounds good. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And, yeah it's, it's one of those things that I would have eaten even if I wasn't keto. I mean, just the, the idea of having cheese for bread is not a bad thing. Sure. No, it's like having bacon as bread. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you said you did a lot of research on which one you're going to go through or which diet or, you know, that you're going to follow. Why keto? Why was that the one that you, you went, went with? It seemed to be the most sustainable for me. You know, as a chef, there's a lot of these ingredients that, you know, get taken away from you with like, you know, low calorie or low fat diets. And, and I tried that. And, you know, I've lost weight on low fat diets. You know, you can do that. But I was miserable. My energy was low. I felt mm. like crap. And I was eating food to take. I mean, have you ever tasted fat-free mayonnaise? Yes, I mean, sir. That's one of the most vile <laughs> creations of modern, of you know, technology. And so when I start looking at things that you know are, you know, I guess keto approved, you know, for lack of a better term, but it's it's things like butter, it's things like meat, it's things like vegetables, you know, things that I've 
cooked with my entire life. I just need to make a few kind of tweaks here and there. And, you know, boom, you know, I'm cooking fettuccine Alfredo with um, hearts of palm noodles. It's something called palmini. Um, It's a, a new product. But, you know, I'm having these rich, fatty sauces that, you know, I grew up cooking in, in professional kitchens that, you know, you make a little adjustment to, and now I'm eating, you know, whenever I cook a steak, I put, you know, a big glob of blue cheese on top of, Mm. you know, it's, so it's very enticing when you look at the options and, you know, just how much variety there really is, you know, people always go, well, you can't have, you know, noodles or I can't have, you can make excuses. If you, if you want to do it, you will do it. And for me, it's just, it was one of the most sustainable diets. Uh, there's a, something called fathead dough mm-hmm. and it's made with like mozzarella cheese, uh, egg, almond flour, and you can roll it out into a pizza crust and then load up your pizza like you normally would. And it's delicious. So, mm-hmm. you know, once a week I have pizza. Yeah. Um, you will never convince me, however, that you can use spaghetti squash as actual spaghetti. <laughs> there's no way that's happening. <laughs> I've tried it. It's not happening. I, I understand. I understand. <laughs> you know, the, look, I'm not the person who's going to tell you that almond flour is going to be a substitute and, you know, for making a biscuit. Sure. You know, a biscuit is never going to be a biscuit unless it's made with all purpose flour, butter, mm. all that good stuff. Lord. And and it shouldn't be, you know, a biscuit should be made as a biscuit. Mm-hmm. Sure. And, and I'm not so... You know, I'm not one of those people that goes, you know, that's a carb. I'll never eat that again. Mm-hmm. No, I I know that right now that does not fit into my lifestyle. Um, I know that when I do want to have a biscuit, I was just uh, down in Austin, Texas. And I drove all the way from Maryland to Austin. So oh, I had a lot yeah. of time on the road. Sure. And you're damn right. I stopped at a few, you know, Bojangles along the way mm-hmm. and because we, we don't have those up here. So, you know, <laughs> I started. I start driving down I-81 and I see that. I'm like, yeah, we're going to make that happen. You know? <laughs> sure. Did you do Whataburger biscuits in Texas? Oh, buddy. I did not have oh, a gosh. Whataburger biscuit. I mm. did have Whataburger, but without the bun. Okay. Well, if you and did... I also had In-N-Out Burger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In Dallas, I guess. Or when I was in Austin. Oh, okay. Austin. Okay. Well, next time you're there in Texas, you got to try the water bu- Whataburger honey biscuit. Yeah, buddy. It's very, very delicious. Have you tried making a keto version of biscuits and gravy? I make a damn good gravy. I just can't get a biscuit that I'm happy with. Uh, my wife, um, my wife found one recipe for that and it's actually decent. Now, what do you use to thicken your gravy with? What I use is normally just cream cheese and a little bit of xanthan gum. Yeah, I've, I've been turned on to the xanthan gum too. And xanthan gum is, I mean, it, it, the only thing is you got to eat it hot. If you let it cool down, it kind of forms almost like a sticky, uh, um, sticky consistency. Yeah. Pretty, well, I guess oh, it, 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 it turns into like a jelly almost. Yeah. It's kind of creepy. Yeah. It's kind of like the, uh, the, the jelly that you get out of a spam can when you turn it Ooh, over. Oh, that's yeah. gross. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It, it can be a little, you know, off putting if it's, uh, incre- and it's a very, you know, powerful thing. You only need like a quarter of a teaspoon oh. to like a half a teaspoon a lot of times. So yeah, you, you got to be careful with yeah, how much you use. I made the mistake the first time putting like a whole tablespoon in and yeah, that stuff locked up like my stomach after a Mexican fiesta restaurant. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, you had plenty of spackle to redo the walls. <laughs> <laughs> Popcorn ceilings. 
exactly. One thing I noticed too in your story is that you were saying like you when you went to go quit smoking, you had a friend help you with the smoking, you know, to stop you connected with that person or your brother was trying to help you lose weight. So he tried it as well. How important is it to have those people around you to help facilitate and help push you and help keep you accountable? It was definitely a big help for me. Um, I think when you have people in your life that sabotage you and sometimes it's intentional and sometimes they just Mm -hmm. mean well, but they do it anyway, you know, and especially with food, food's so comforting that that's, you know, if, if, if you go to a funeral, what does everybody bring to the family of the deceased? They bring them food, you know, so it's food is always one of those things that people use to give comfort and to do and to help. But sometimes that's the exact opposite of what that person needs. Mm -hmm. So for me, having a group of people that kind of finally understood what I was doing and they were supportive, um, and and my roommate wanted to quit smoking too. So Mm -hmm. it was, it was a perfect time for that. And we both were able to quit and use each other as a support, use each other as motivation. You know, I think she didn't want me to quit smoking and have her fail. So out of just her own stubbornness, I think, you know, she was able to quit. So, and I think I was the same way. We were both so competitive about it. Mm. It's like, we weren't going to let the other one win. Um, you know, if, if spite is your motivation, go with it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then, you know, my brother as well, um, he wanted to be helpful. And for so long, I don't think he knew exactly what to do to be helpful mm. to me other than be, you know, what he thought was supportive. But yeah. at the end of the day, I think being supportive was just kind of going along for part of that journey with me. Mm. And, uh, you know, he's not keto every day and, you know, he drinks, uh, you know, beer sometimes. And, you know, now I'm at that point where it doesn't phase me, but I think during that onboarding area where you're kind of just getting started you need you know everybody around you to be supportive and and that can be tough i know a lot of people that don't have the support that i had and have to go it alone or they have a family member that tells them this isn't going to work you're going to die this or that and they're just they're unsupportive so i know it's tough for some people but you just got to and maybe reaching out on the internet is that place maybe uh going on instagram and finding some people that have a similar journey to you. There's a lot of people that I talk to on a regular basis that I've never met in person, but mm. they know, they know my deepest, darkest secrets, you know, after talking to them for a while and, you know, going through a lot of the same things they did. So mm. yeah, it's definitely important to have a support group. Now, obviously it's sustainable. It's something that you've, you've gone for what, two, two years now. Uh, yeah, about two and a half years keto and uh, yeah, it's still going. Uh, has has there been any negative impacts of following that diet? You know, I, I can't think of any, I really can't, you know, and my cholesterol's perfect. My blood work every, it, it's so funny. Every 90 days since I've started keto, I go get my blood drawn mm. and I was very lucky and not everybody has this. I have a doctor who's completely on board with keto. A lot of, a lot of doctors that haven't, you know, opened up a medical journal in 20 years they can be, you know, a little apprehensive about the whole keto diet, but mm-hmm. uh, my doctor was completely on board. And now when I go in to see him, we look over my blood work, all the numbers look great. And then we just talk about podcasts for 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Did maybe, you listen to Joe Rogan this week? Oh yeah, that was a good episode. <laughs> maybe you could tell your doctor to listen to uh, Southern Fried Philosophy. That'd be great. I will let him know. Awesome. I, I, I got a question about that too, as far as sustainability. For a lot of people, the obstacle is financial. 
Mm. Like it's a lot of reasons a lot of people eat badly is because they've been, they've been, I guess, brainwashed, not the right word, but um, conditioned. conditioned to think that they can't afford to eat a certain way. Um, have you noticed, you know, in your preparing these meals, what the cost of, you know, preparing these meals is in difference to eating, you know, obviously it's not like eating a box of Pop-Tarts, but I mean, if you're going to cook every night, is it in on par with what you would spend uh, on a not keto diet? The, the simple answer is yes. Okay. And here's what I'll say. You find that you can eat things that are very expensive. You'll see the keto people that are like only grass fed beef and, you know, antibiotic free this and organic that. And that's fantastic. But some people can't afford that. And I'll tell you, I shop at Aldi's. Um, I'm pretty sure you guys have Aldi's. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Big fan. Um, yeah. I mean, I shop 90% of what I buy at Aldi's. You know, you buy the ground beef, you Aldi's chicken. I mean, I can buy a whole chicken for $5. You know, so, there, you know, you get your chicken, you get your fresh veggies. You'll find yourself eating real food. Um and that's the, the thing that I really enjoy about it is you eat meat, you eat butter, you eat cream, you eat you know vegetables, and you're eating real food. Now, the thing that I will say that's tricky is you do need to start cooking for yourself. Mm-hmm. If you're eating out 100% of the time, it's going to catch up with you. Um, I eat out once, maybe twice a week, you know, and, and there's, there's definitely places to go. Jimmy John's has the Unwitch. Uh, Five Guys has the um, uh, bunless burgers, but a lot more places are starting to give you know keto friendly options. Chipotle does the uh, the protein or the keto bowls now, so it's it's definitely a lot easier if you do need to eat on the go um, and go out to eat. But uh, learning to cook for yourself, and that's the whole mission of what I do is I want to make cooking fun, easy, and you know exciting with keto because a lot of people do get bored of just eating rolled up ham and cheese, you know, and dipping it in mayonnaise. And that is delicious. Don't get me wrong. Or everybody wants to do a crock pot chick, you know, crack chicken, you know, that's uh uh, the crock pot dishes are heavy, you know, big on the keto. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing I've tried to explain to people is that ground beef is cheap. Eggs are cheap. Bacon, maybe not so much being good. Don't sell chicken, you know, down here, chicken is buck dying on a pound. I mean, you can, you can start out keto pretty cheap. And also if you add the intermittent fasting in, it's not like you're cooking for yourself three meals a day. That's what I was going to so. say is like he hasn't eat, eaten since Monday. So <laughs> I think, you know, he's not <laughs> spending money on that. So there's that. It, and it's true. You know, I listen to a lot of Dave Ramsey. Um, and, you know, he he's, he's hysterical because uh, one of his callers called in once, talked about intermittent fasting. And the guy said the same thing. He's like, you know, what do you – so you're telling me you haven't eaten or paid for food in three days? He goes, I don't know what intermittent fasting is, but I'm a fan. <laughs> <laughs> but also on the cost analysis, too, I mean, you know, with health, and I have been the beacon, uh, I've been the the uh, the dartboard for health problems. You know, you either pay for it now or you pay for it later, you know, with eating. Um, so just, can, you know, whatever you put in your body now, if it's, if it's garbage in, you're probably going to experience uh, garbage health problems later. So I... I you know, I'm not, like I said, I'm not trying to. This isn't a religion. Religion we're starting here. We're just trying to, you know, to encourage people. I know that myself. I, I go to an advanced cardiology team because I had a heart transplant, and my doctor, okay. my, you know, my doctors are amazed. I mean, my numbers are great, and in fact, they're encouraging 
more and more people in the uh, transplant unit to actually look at the diet, especially people that are pre-transplant. So um, hopefully it continues. I don't think there's any reason why it wouldn't, but um, I know for me, like my joints don't hurt as much, except when I do stupid things. (laughs) And, uh, you know, just actually being able to breathe a little bit is actually kind of cool too. Oh, it's, it's amazing to tie your shoes and not pass out. You know, it, 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 there's so many little things that, you know, you, you took for granted, you know, and when you were young and, and then you, you know, you get out of shape and, and all of a sudden these things that you used to do without even thinking twice about it become a chore or become, you know, looking at a flight of stairs and going, Oh God, I don't know if I can make it up that, you know, I still do that. And, though, be honest with you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I still shake my head and go, all right, can we stay on the main level? Right. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, no, but to get back to your uh, original thing about the cost, you know, one other point about the cost of keto is you're not snacking all day, Mm. you know, with the, the standard American diet that they tell you where you eat these small meals, Mm -hmm. you know, all throughout the day, you you end up eating five or six times and that adds up, you know, even if it's only a couple hundred calories. And I think the, the downside of the eating all day in these small portions is, is how well do people really portion out these meals? Because I think these small meals that they think they're eating end up being four, six, you know, 700 calories sometimes. And then you add up and have five of those. And all of a sudden, boom, you're having three, 4,000 calories a day when you think you're having, you know, 2,000 or 2,500. Yeah, I I, so, I have subscribed to that theory for uh, several times throughout my adult life, where I've gone to the five or six small meals a day. But the only way that works for me is there's got to be an hour of exercise in there somewhere. There has to be a solid hour of exercise, otherwise you're exactly right. But because I'll just eat four or five thousand calories a day and yeah. doesn't quite add up, right? Oh, and it and it goes. You know, they say that people underestimate their calories by up to like forty five percent. You know, so when, when people are even like trying to like, you know, I think they did like a questionnaire where they said, we want you to just write down the amount of calories you think you ate today. And then they actually went back and looked it up. And these people are like, you know, off by thousands of calories. And then you take that and you put it over the course of, you know, months and years. And, you know, people sit there and they go, I don't know why this diet didn't work. It's because you're not doing it. You know, you're, (laughs) you're sitting there. You know, so you, you do have to kind of look at yourself and be honest with yourself. I know that I do better when I track. Like even with keto, if if I pay attention to my calories, I do a lot better than if I just kind of guesstimate, you know, you know, throw caution to the wind. Well, man, uh, we really appreciate you coming on. Anything else, Marty? No, I'm, I've enjoyed this. I beg it. Um, so how can I subscribe to you making my meals and sending them <laughs> via HelloFresh? I, I get that question probably four to five times a day. Um, <laughs> we, we have, we have not uh, created the culinary lion uh, delivery service just yet, but, uh, you know, you never know what's around the bend. Could I have you just stay at the house for, you know, you know, he's talking about moving of... South. Oh yeah. You yeah. Can... I, I am. I am uh, looking to relocate somewhere down South. So All right. uh, I haven't, uh, I'm doing some reconnaissance, uh, I think, uh, in September. So you well, never know. Make sure you come down here and uh, check us out. We'll uh, we'll even give you the, the grand tour. That sounds like a blast. <laughs> <laughs> so where can people find uh, all your information? You know, where, where are they going to get? How can they connect with you? All right. Uh, culinarylion.com is the website. So that's where you're going to find the blog and all the recipes. Um, I also run a grilling barbecue website called Grilling 
24x7.com. And so any of my barbecue, um, not all of it's keto, but it's a lot of it's uh, great barbecue and grilling information. So that, again, yeah, grilling247.com. Uh, and then uh, Instagram is Culinary Lion Keto and then Culinary Lion on Facebook and Twitter as well. Wow. Well, man, Frank, we really appreciate you uh, coming on today and uh, hopefully our listeners will check you out. And I'm like I said, just direct message them if you have any questions and uh, I'm sure he'd probably assist you. I mean, yeah, obviously, always feel free to hit yeah, me up. very passionate. Well, man, we appreciate you coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah. We appreciate everyone tuning in this episode. Um, you go check us out on Google play, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, 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 <laughs> Spotify, Spotify is about right. <laughs> pretty much any, any podcast aggregate that you choose, just go there, do a subscribe, give us a five star rating, helps us move up in the old, uh, love language of, uh, the algorithms. Mm-hmm. Uh, that way people can kind of check us out, check us out on PodCoin. That's a app that you get paid basically to listen. Yeah. Also give another shout out to my, uh, my donor family and go to your local, uh, Facebook page or your website in your local area. Just look up, put in live share and they'll actually probably direct you to a, a place where you can actually, um, get information about donating organs. Uh, you know, cause you don't need those when you pass. Mm-hmm. Also, you can be a no. living donor, donor too. Like I need a, I have a friend of mine that said, He's uh, looking to, he needs a, a kidney right now. So a mm. uh, living donor will suffice. Um, yeah. So just check that out. Uh, like I said, I love my donor family and uh, if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be here today. Check us out at Facebook, uh, Facebook at Southern Fried Philosophy. Also our website at Southern Fried The old Twitter's and Instagram at SFP radio, our Patreon link mm-hmm. at S four slash SFP radio. Where else? That's, that's about it. That covers it. All right. Thanks again for tuning in, and as always, keep looking up. 